Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is February 11th, also known as Lockout Day 72. We have gone 72 days in this MLB lockout, and this is episode 74 of the Cold Brew Podcast. We have the we're, we're reaching the point where the lockout has lasted uh, as long as, as as many episodes as we had, and uh, that's not that's not a good sign. No, it sure isn't. Um, uh, what what do we even say anymore about this? I mean, I know we 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 did have a press conference. We got to hear Manfred's dumb voice this week. But, uh, oh, my God, we've – I'm so sick of the lockout. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Me too. It is uh, It is not great. And the situation, it, see, it seems to be coming to a head um, because, like, this is, this is crunch time. This is uh, the deadline. I mean, we're, we're really kind of coming up against it. Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report starting this next week, right after Super Bowl Sunday here. And players are down in, in Phoenix. Like, I don't know if you've seen the, you know, some of the Brewers players' Instagram stories, Corbin Burns, Christian Yelich, um, you know, all these guys, they are down in Phoenix. Some of them are golfing. You know, there, there is a waste management pro-am where Corbin Burns had the hardest uh, hit drive of the of the entire pro am and like had like the longest drive of it and I'm just like wait a minute is this Corbin Burns or Happy Gilmore because <laughs> I mean this dude just coming out there just whacking it he had it like he had it like 200 miles an hour almost like 300 yards I'm just like this is exactly the setup to Happy Gilmore <laughs> but Corbin Burns is actually good at the sport he was intending to be Happy Gilmore is supposed to be at hockey and he's not that great at that but you know if you've seen the movie you know if you haven't seen the movie You've got no idea what I'm talking about. But anyways, Corbin Burns is apparently good at golf, uh, as a lot of pitchers are. But he's down there. Yelich is down there. All these guys are down in Phoenix. And the Players Association this past week did kind of have a meeting down there. The owners were in Florida, and the players had their kind of meeting uh, in Phoenix, um, where like everyone's kind of like rallying together. It's like, okay, things have gotten really kind of tense there. MLB is asking for mediation. Players said no. You know, a lot more war of words going on between the two sides. So the owners decided to regroup in Florida. They had their meetings. So the players regrouped in Phoenix. Um, and they all seem pretty united. Uh, the word coming out of there is that they are all united and hating Manfred and that uh, Manfred has really strengthened their resolve by being such a dickhead uh, that they really want to stick it to the owners. And I have never related to the players more than <laughs> I do right now. It it was great. I mean, to hear it sounded like there were like 100 plus players or so met together. And it seems like anytime you generally hear about these negotiating uh, meetings, it's generally a pretty small contingent of, you know, uh, Tony Clark or whoever the head of the MLP BPA is at the time and, you know, their negotiators and then maybe some player reps. Um, but yeah, they, they had a whole bunch of them together to, um, kind of get energized and, oh, it was great to hear. And like you said, all coming together around the common theme of, God, we hate Rob Manfred. I mean, doesn't that just speaks to us as fans? It warms so much, the heart, doesn't it? It does. It does. Just as much as my hot brew coffee and my delightful office mug. 
Oh, nice. Is there some Irish in there as well? Like no, my last week? Not, not this time. Only because I'm out, though. Ah, fair enough. But you got some uh, some beats, some bears, some beats, and uh, some Battlestar Battle Galactica. Galactica. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. Uh, Office, good. love it. Yeah. If you haven't seen that, you're also lost. It, if you haven't seen Happy Gilmore or The Office, uh, you need to you, you need to do it. You Please know, you need to find horizons. Something. Yeah. There you go, Brian. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> but yeah, it's it all seems to be coming together. Rob Manfred, um, he spoke on Thursday uh, about the whole thing and. Apparently, the owners have come together and they feel they, they've got a proposal now that uh, involves them making concessions on a lot of fronts. They feel it's going to be a much better offer and a, a much bigger win. And they're saying they're positioning it as better than than the current CBA. I mean, they've said that the uh, universal DH is coming. And we'll talk more about that in a bit um, and that, that they've agreed to eliminate direct draft pick compensation for free agents. So. Uh, if you sign someone who uh, was was offered a qualifying offer and they declined it, you no longer lose a draft pick uh, for that, which, you know, is, is I think is going to be helpful. I mean, if if you lose a player that, that you gave a qualifying offer to, if they sign somewhere else, you still get compensation. It's just that the signing team doesn't lose a draft pick. Um, so, like, for example, back in 2013, when the Brewers signed Kyle Loesch, they would not have lost their first round pick that year. Uh, and the position of that first round pick was 17th overall. And the player who went 17th overall that year was Tim Anderson of the White Sox. Oh. So imagine if we had Tim Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, by the way. So just, just saying uh, eliminating that direct draft pick oh. compensation should be, uh, should be pretty good for teams. So MLB is like, okay, this offer is definitely better than what we currently have. So why are you guys so pissed? is what it seems like uh, based based on what I heard from Manfred. That, that's what it seems like their position is like. It, it's already better than what we currently have. So, like, quit asking for more, it almost feels like. Yeah, Which isn't I the will, best strategy, in my opinion. No, but uh, I feel like going all the way back to 2020, the MLB hasn't had – damn it, not the MLB. MLB has uh, Another $5 in the jar. Believe, I don't know why this is happening. I uh, – MLB has had questionable strategies uh, as it is. I do want to add that with that 2013 draft, though, um, the way we drafted in the first round for a while, you know that Brewers would have figured out some way to not draft a player like Tim Anderson, and it would have been someone totally, totally screwed up. But that's besides the point. Um, Yeah, I I think what's hopefully a little bit uh, gives a little bit of optimism about what's happened this week is that. I would be hoping, and we we'd hear what MLB says they were doing with their supposedly good uh, proposal that they're going to unveil to the Players Association on Saturday, is that both of these parties are planning what their compromise will be. That's what needs to be happening, because as we talked about last week, like both sides have been budging so little from what their initial position positions have been mm-hmm. yes there's been some comp- uh, 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 a little bit of um, compromise here and there um, but for the most part like a lot of the major issues they haven't moved much from but at some point you're going to need to know ahead of time 
what is the absolute farthest that we can push this that we're allowed allowing to give up because it's going to be like like you had mentioned like uh you give a little bit you know as you go back and forth you give like maybe 10 million and 10 million more um until you arrive at the middle you need to know where that middle is going to be instead of just you know kind of you know flying dark a little bit and then just coming up to that number once it happens like know ahead of time and I, I hope that both of these parties are preparing what those numbers are so that once these proposals get announced on Saturday to each other um, that they're able to more quickly arrive at that middle number um, hopefully it's as we've seen so far they haven't been anywhere close to that but I'm hoping that they're at least now realizing like, okay, it's, it's crunch time. We're getting close to the season. We don't want to lose games. Let's just know ahead of time. And obviously we'll try and work to get, you know, our side, the best uh, deal possible and mm -hmm. anywhere close to our initial desires as we can. But it's, again, it's a negotiation, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen that way. So, um, right. But the owners yeah. have almost come to expect it with, you know, what they've done in the last couple of years. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, when they negotiated with Clark the last time, it's like the owners pretty much got everything they wanted. You right. know, like they didn't really have to budge off of where they were that much. So, you know, they, I think, almost kind of come to expect it's like, oh, we don't really have to move that much at all. Like, it's it's fine. We're going to get what we want. But, yeah, as you said, we're like we're now down to crunch time. And really, it, it's crunch time for both sides. You know, it's not just one or the other. I mean, the owners are going to be the ones that will hurt financially at the moment. Like, if they don't get a deal done, you're losing spring training games. That's revenue for them. Players don't get paid during spring training, which mm -hmm. is weird to think about. But, you know, spring training is not where their salaries come from. Uh, if, if you're on the 40-man roster, it comes from the regular season. So they're not really feeling the financial crunch. But they know, and everyone else knows, that a shortened spring training is only going to hurt the players in the long run mm -hmm. because that is going to lead to a lot of injuries. You know, players mm -hmm. or pitchers are going to get hurt trying to ramp up too quickly. Hitters, you know, if they pull a quad or, or a hamstring or something, you know, early in camp, um, if they're maybe not quite in the best shape, you know, they're, they might not be able to make opening day. They might still be hurt by then. Um, Literally. So short, yeah. <laughs> Literally like short, hurts them in the long run. Yeah. So a shortened spring training is not good for the players either. You know, it doesn't hurt them financially. It hurts them physically. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that they are going to want to avoid because if they're hurt physically, that's going to impact their ability to make future financial gains. Um, because you know, it's like, oh, now you're injury prone. Oh, you got this injury, you know, something tore. Uh, so, like, you know, now it's going to be tougher for us to pay you the money that you want. Um, yeah, I mean, you're going to have arbitration, you know, going through at this time. What if a guy gets hurt that first week of spring training and then he's got his arbitration hearing a week later? And like, if you're walking in there on crutches, it's like, how is the arbitrator going to rule in your favor? Mm -hmm. You know? So it just, it needs to get done for both mm -hmm. sides. Like we, like we are at crunch time. We are at essentially July, like, like think of the July trade deadline, you know, like, like that is a full deadline. Like once you get to that, everything really kind of starts happening. We are at pretty much either the day before or like the morning of the trade deadline. Like we are coming down to the wire. Like we are coming down to a point of no return almost. Both sides have to just kind of come across, get a deal done um, and, and do it for the, for the betterment of the game. 
because the fans want it done. Um, you know, any, any sort of disagreement that could cost games, it's going to cost the the league money. It's going to cost the players um, time to get ready for the season. And it's going to cost them some fans because some fans mm-hmm. are going to see this lockout. And if it costs games, they're not going to come back. I mean, you're going to have fans who are like you have fans who already plan trips to spring training um, and the early part of spring training. And if that's not there, they're going to be pissed. Yeah, it makes you wonder if this was the owner's plan all along was to wait until right before spring training to really ramp up negotiations, knowing that the players are going to be a little bit more desperate to get things going because of exactly are that. Are, are the players more desperate? I, it's a good question. I mean, maybe maybe they're kind of calling the league's bluff and saying, yeah. you know what, like we still we deserve more. And we know that you're trying to push us closer and closer to the season, but we're not budging like we we need a fair agreement. And so obviously, right. It's not like the players have been ramping up uh, proposals anytime recently. So, yeah, but it's it just I, I wonder, based off of all of that, if this was really the time that MLB was hoping to start uh, ramping up negotiations, knowing that this- the players would be in a tough spot. I think this is a time everyone is expecting negotiations to ramp up, like right towards the end. Like when you know, like this is the point. If you don't reach it by this day, like this is when we're going to have to cancel stuff. We're going to have, we're going to, have to postpone stuff and we're going to lose money. Mm-hmm. Like everyone has been saying all along for the past few months, baseball is even the past few years. Baseball is motivated by deadlines. And I mean, really, I mean, you could argue people are motivated by deadlines like term papers and whatnot you have to write in college. Are you writing that two weeks before? No, you're writing that the <laughs> night before. You yep. know, like you're you're writing that the day that it's due and you're putting it in because that's when the deadline is. You have to. Um, and baseball's the same way. I mean, they're motivated by deadlines. So they they were kind of weighing this whole time. Now we're approaching the deadline. It's pretty much right here. It, it's it's this weekend. It, it's early this week that they have to get stuff ramped up. Um, and, and be able to to come to an agreement and to have their players report to spring training. Because, I mean, you're going to have a whole lot to get done as, as spring training gets started. Not only, like, coordinating, you know, getting the players there, visas. You got signing free agents. You got trades. You got the Rule 5 draft. You got arbitration. You got a whole host of stuff. Uh, you got ticket sales and, and whatnot to do. Like, there, there was a great article in The Athletic about this the other day. It's super mm-hmm. long, well worth the read. But, like, it goes through, like, the whole wild chaos that is going to be happening here because MLB hasn't been able to do anything for the, the past few months with their players. They, they haven't been able to get players uh, in. I mean, you're going to have injured players and rehabbing players trying to come back and uh, get with their, you know, training staff and make sure that they're healthy um, and make sure that they're kind of sticking on plans, like, that stuff to do. Like, we saw... Uh, an article about Keston Hira and like the work he's doing this off season. And we can get more into that later uh, in the podcast, but Keston Hira is working with a, a private hitting coach, the one he's had really since he was a kid, but he hasn't really been able to work much with Ozzy Timmons and Connor Dawson. Mm-hmm. And those are the guys he's going to be working with all season, you know, that, that he needs to have a relationship with. So it's just, it's going to be a lot that's going to be happening afterwards. And really the the more, leeway time they can give themselves the better so the sooner you come to an agreement with this the better i mean we are at crunch time uh with with these negotiations so hopefully they can make some really legitimate progress here on saturday and 
maybe by the end of the day they can have something hashing stuff out back and forth and you know hopefully at least by you know monday or tuesday i mean they, they can have some stuff scheduled and and really kind of finish it up yeah yeah that's how we'll really know how successful saturday was right is whether or not we hear um when they have another uh, meeting scheduled and how soon that meeting is going to be. So uh, yeah, if it's the beginning of the very next week, great. That means they, they have found at least some common ground or gotten close to common ground and they just, you need to take the weekend to think and then right back to the table. Um, that's, that's gotta be what we're all hoping for, right? Saturday itself is not going to be the day that everything's magically going to be fixed. Like it, it never has been up until this point. But we need to get to the point where they're meeting more and more and more frequently. And then finally, we're we're going to come across that day sometime, fans, I swear to God, where ah, the agreement has been reached, or at least Baseball. most of the agreement has been reached. Right? We just need to hash out yeah. some rule changes or something like that. Like, oh, just I it's coming. I know it is. I, yeah. I, I know it's like it's been hard to be optimistic. Um, but Maybe it's the the fact that it is they are under the time crunch now um, that makes it feel like they've got to be a little bit closer to a deal. I don't know, but like just something feels just a little bit better recently, d- despite uh, how not positive we might have felt after again listening to Manfred's dumb voice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the things that he said, you know, if they're all true, you know, I think it it leads into a a good direction, um, you know, with, with the offer, but, um, th- there was something that he said, uh, I forget what it was, but then like a league spokesperson had to come out and was like, what Manfred said was not true. I'm just was like, the- that's embarrassing. Like, how, oh, not the, how not does- the one about, uh, t- owning teams being profitable. It wasn't that. Oh animal. my God. That yeah. Was that was, that right was here. the stupidest thing. Like, yeah. um, like the, the returns on owning a, an MLB team are less than what you would expect in the stock market. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's riskier than this. I'm like, what, okay. what are you talking about? Yeah. That's why we see owners switching in and out all the time because their investment isn't working out for them. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're getting like 600% returns or, or whatever. And like, uh-huh. You don't see those types of returns. Even the best stock market returns, you're not seeing like this type of stuff. If you are, like you're you're probably doing something illegal. Like <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like straight up, you're probably doing some like Wolf of Wall Street uh illegal type stuff. Um if you're seeing those kinds of returns. So um yeah, there was just there's just so much incorrect stuff about, you know, the, oh, it's so risky being a team owner. Not really um, no. at all. Seems like, to work fine. Yeah. Every, everyone seems to be doing okay. Like, how, how many of these have actually gone under? How many guys have gone bankrupt owning a team? Right. Right. You know, oh, zero. How many people have gone bankrupt in the stock market? Oh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what Rob Manfred was thinking there, but no. Yeah, I can't remember what the one was that they had to clarify though. It wasn't that. That was just yeah. dumb. But it's but it's hilarious that a league spokesperson had to come out and say what Manfred said was not true. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you can say that yeah. again. Yeah, you, uh, that could apply to several things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh it's going to be interesting, and hopefully hopefully by the time we record our next podcast. The lockout will be lifted. 
Hopefully. Oh, fingers that, crossed. That would be man. nice. Uh, knock on wood over here, but we'll see. We'll see. So uh, we're coming up on it, and you know we got Super Bowl weekend, and once the Super Bowl is done, we're getting to baseball season for most people, and it'd be yeah. nice to have some baseball to give them. All eyes Simply on you us. Guys. I really need baseball in my life, man. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Baseball news, baseball, it, literally anything right the now. Videos of guys playing catch down in Arizona, with, you know, here in the mid pop. Ugh. We've gotten to the point where for the red for the websites, I'm having to write articles about players like Daniel Robertson signing with teams that aren't us. Because that's I wrote the about that we I get wrote about days. four Brewers players going on a soap opera 15 years ago. <laughs> yep. Remember that time the Brewers were on the Young and the Restless? Uh, we put Jeff Supon on there. Oh my that's, God! Did we talk about that last week? That, we did not. That is not leading with your uh, best foot forward, by the way. Brewers, oh come God. on. Jeff yeah. Supon. Supon, like we had JJ Hardy on there. I'm like, okay, JJ Hardy, he's got a face made for television. Yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, Bill Hall. Him. Bill Hall was on there. He had 35 home runs the season before. Okay, that makes sense. Chris Capuano, sure. You know, okay. Supon, like, I know he was just, like, the big signee last year, but, oh, my God. I watched the scene that they were in, and, like, there was, like, this this chair. I'm like, oh, my God, this video is, like, so, like, grainy and foggy. I'm like, this was 2007? Like, I thought, <laughs> like, I thought the quality was good back then, but dang. Um but, like, this chick comes in, and she's, like, fawning all, all over them. She's talking about, oh, my God, Jeff Supon, you know, game six or whatever, you know, 2006 World Series. I'm just, like and, – and, and, like, she's, like, talking about how she's such a big Brewers fan. I'm like, why are you fawning over what a Cardinals pitcher did for the Cardinals <laughs> to win the World Series? Mm-hmm. Like, no. And it's, like, oh, my God, you know, Chris Capuano, you know, best left-hander in the game. I'm, like, Okay. I love Chris Capuano <laughs> as much as the next guy. But a guy with a career 4.2 ERA to that point is not the best left-handed pitcher in the game. You know, uh, Johan Santana, maybe, you know, anyone else? He was okay. Uh, yeah. Well, like, Stay he was in your solid, lane, young and the restless. Oh, my God. I didn't even know, like, I, I was I was doing some hardcore research on this because, again, I was bored. <laughs> Um, and remembering this, and apparently this soap opera is set in Genoa City, Wisconsin. I had no idea. I, I didn't even know that. Like that's why they not. were on there. Yeah, like like this is set really? in Wisconsin. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I did not know that. I, yeah. I've heard of that show ever since I was a kid. Like my mom was a soap opera person when I was little. I know, yeah. know she watched that stuff, but no. Mine too, but, but no my idea. mom watched uh, Days of Our Lives, not Young and the Restless. So um, I think my mom watched Guiding Light. I have And I so I had a I had a job when I was in high school. After I graduated, I had a job at a little grocery store in our town, um, and I was asked at that point to work in the uh, cooler sections and unload trucks and i would go in at four o'clock in the morning which for an 18 year old kid is like why do you agree to a 4 a.m job come on i was just trying to make money for college. even as a fully grown man why would you agree to that <laughs> right I, anyway. I was asked about that i'm like no i'm not doing it yeah. at 4 a.m are you kidding me oh. oh it was terrible but i would come home um at like i'd be done with work at like noon i'd come home and i like fall asleep on the couch and like but i'd be like half awake my mom would be watching soap operas and i'd 
like I, I like hear the stuff like subliminally in the background while I was sleeping and I like wake up with like, mom, what happened to Juliet or whoever the hell? I don't know. Random, <laughs> random name. Like she's like, how did you hear that? I'm like, I, I don't know. It was. Yeah. So I, I randomly like absorbed some goofy ass uh, uh, soap opera knowledge at the time. Wow, this is way more soap opera talk than I was planning yeah. this podcast. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone. It is the middle of a lockout. <laughs> this is what you get. Please come yeah. back, baseball. Hopefully the end of a lockout. Oh, my God. But but yeah, so like in this uh, like episode or something, like they're talking to like some like politician dude and like they're like showing him like baseball, like pitching grips and whatnot. And, you know, he's like, joking around. He's like oh, if I could just throw this like 95 miles an hour, I could join you guys and. Jeff Supon's like, oh, yeah, we'll open up a spot in the rotation for you. I'm like, take Supon. It's <laughs> open. You can't do worse than he did. Oh, man. If only. We'll leave like you that in general politician city. or even him as an actor. He could do better than whatever the hell Jeff Supon did in that Brewers rotation. Like, y- you showed him the grips. That's great. He can serve up meatballs at 69 miles an hour, and he can do it better than Jeff Supon because – Supon was trash. Oh my god, that, that's yeah. the nicest way I can say it. Yeah, we're we're trying to be somewhat kid friendly, although I think we actually broke that a few times already this episode. But that's been out. We're trying. Now. We're trying. We're trying. We're but we're talking Jeff Supon and soap operas here. Like, come on. Yep. Uh, uh, I need some baseball. Yep. Absolutely. A uh, pitching ninja, a friend of the podcast, pitching ninja, posted a video of Corbin Burns's cutter, like two minutes of Corbin Burns's cutter, the other day, and just like the, just the sounds, like you know, just the glove pops, just boop, 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 like just, just hearing that over and over, seeing the cutters, I'm just like, oh, I need this again in my life. Yep. Hey. It was, it was the most beautiful video I have seen in a very, very long time. Thank you, Pitching Ninja, by the way, for trying to at least help us get through this lockout a little bit. He's doing everything he can. Just, yeah. just great work over there. But oh, yeah. we, we, we're going to need more than that at some point. Yeah. I, it's, I did hear it, 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 teams are at least slightly preparing for uh, spring training to be happening. Um, I think it was one, maybe one of the reporters over in the Twin Cities or something like that had noted that um their spring training trucks with their equipment trucks were headed down to uh um, arizona or florida i can't remember which one they play in um but they were headed down so i have to imagine you know most teams are sending their stuff um and we know you know we've already noted the minor league uh season is you know that's going on all all going that's gonna happen you know right exactly but um at the very least um, it it seems as though this is the normal. They're trying to follow the normal procedure, and so you know they'll be ready as soon as players are able to get down there. Um, you know we'll be ready for them. Yeah. But um, you just haven't seen a whole lot of it. You know, being you haven't seen it out from the accounts because yeah. that's where we would normally see it. We would see the Brewers yeah. account like po- like showing a picture of the. Um, so, oh, this is making me sad to even talk about like the sausage costumes being loaded into the back of the semi. And, yeah. Like well, the sausages like are that, loading, but... you know, stuff like they're loading bats and balls and whatnot. Yeah. Bernie Brewer helping out and right, whatever well, we else. To see that right now. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're allowed to. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Right. But, you know, it's not because I'm not seeing it from any uh, yeah. uh, team sources. And like I said, I think this was a random reporter that had 
mentioned that that I saw uh, yeah. about the Twins one. So, um, and I think also like the players are are getting ready. So like I know the players mm-hmm. meeting was in like Phoenix, but like a lot of the Brewers, like they're posting like they're down there like in Phoenix. So, like once this thing starts, they can just drive across town. They'll be at Maryvale and, and they're there. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not like they're hanging out in California or Texas or Florida or whatever. Like they're heading down to Phoenix. Like they're like going to be ready to go. They're just kind of going to be sitting there um, waiting. And we, you know, once they get the all clear, they're just going to head to the, head to the ballpark. Minor yeah. leaguers are already down there. Um, I've seen some videos from uh, my guy, Hedbert Perez, you know, he's taking yep. some live BP down there in Maryvale and as are several other prospects. So, you know, it's, it's good to see, you know, at least the minor league camp is going to be rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, you know, even a lot of the major league players are trying to do what they can to, you know, stay in shape. I, I'm pretty sure I'd seen Max Scherzer recently uh, was talking about um, how he was, you know, taking some bullpens and um, working out with a coach to try and, you know, keep in shape. So um, we still need spring training. Like we still need what they normally have to like truly get into game shape for the regular season. But um, the the players they're they're going to be ready. We just need to give them, you know, a spring training. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they, they got to get that time and the pitchers especially got to get their time in. And with pitching being the core of this Brewers team, uh, it'd be nice to make sure that Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta and all those guys have all the time that they need to ramp up for the season. Yeah. Um, Cause otherwise we're going to have everyone complaining about why was Corbin Burns pulled after only five innings, you know? Mm. So, I thought the universal DH was supposed to fix that. Yeah. So this Craig council being such a jerk, terrible manager fire. Yeah, no, that's just kind of the dregs of Twitter, but the DH <laughs> is coming to the national league. Rob Manfred did say that, um, that, that they've kind of agreed up, agreed upon that both sides want it. And, uh, it's going to be part of it. So if Rob Manfred said it, it must be true, except for that part where a league spokesman had to say what Manfred said was not true. Um, but it, it looks like the DH is coming. Uh, we've got some articles up on the site about it, you know, about the news that it's coming in and uh, some internal candidates uh, that could fill that role. Um, you know, knowing Craig Council could be a mix of players, you know, getting guys some some time off from the field and getting them some extra at bats. David Stearns could bring in someone else, you know, could bring in another bat to to get some DH time. I know we've talked a lot about Nelson Cruz and how he'd be a fit. You know, it's not typical for what David Stearns does. You know, he normally likes to get positional, versatile guys and, uh, you know, doesn't like paying for, you know, DH only type guys. But with the DH, he may change that. Who knows? Um, so that that could open up the opportunity to sign another bat or trade for another bat. Um, and they got some some options, and it's really going to help boost the offense and, and boost the team. But we, we've talked about that a lot previously. Yeah, I, I have seen uh, quite a bit more recently, I feel like, about, you know, we've talked during this offseason because we try and find anything to talk about during this lockout. Um, like you said, the... DH candidates, internal, external, um, primarily kind of focusing on the external now um, and what options the Brewers might have. I've seen a lot more talk recently about the fact that, like, you were just uh, getting at that it wouldn't really follow um, the Brewers' track record to go out and sign someone specifically for their offense. Um, You know, 
like they do try and bring in guys who you can use in a mixture of positions or that have, you know, multiple traits going for them. But at the same time, like, and I get that. I totally agree. I yeah. think um, we, we've even discussed about how it's probably more likely that they go internal to start and then, you know, maybe about a month in, take a look at things and see uh, um, what they might need to add or trade for, et cetera. Um, but at the same time, we've never had to deal with this before. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't been in a world where in the Stearns era, they've had to fill a DH position for an entire season. So maybe that breaks the track record a little bit. I don't know. Um, it, it's hard to exactly predict. Like I, I, like I said, I, I get um, realizing what Stearns has done in the past and what he's more likely to do. Um, but I don't know, you, you know, who's to say that, um, hey, the DH is here to stay. So, you know, maybe we do look for someone who can um, man that position the way it's supposed to be manned. Yeah. And, and, you know, like not like they didn't in 2020, they had the DH, but they didn't they weren't really able to plan for that. Like they're going into the season as normal. And then all of a sudden the shutdown and then they're, you know, come back together and like, hey, we'll throw it. We'll throw in a DH for the National League. Everyone's just like, OK, but like you couldn't really plan your roster around it. Uh, you, you didn't really have that much time because uh, you you were already like halfway through spring training by the mm-hmm. time you know season got shut down your roster was already built um so that made things a little more difficult there so yeah we've never had Stearns with planning for a dh before and we've seen in recent years too like there's been some obscure reports but i remember seeing these reports that when nelson cruz was like available at, at trade deadlines and whatnot or, or in the offseason like we've heard reports oh there's at least one or two national league teams that are interested in nelson cruz i'm just like that's interesting. Like that almost kind of sounds like something Stearns would do, you know, get a guy who like on paper doesn't look like he'd fit positionally, but you find a way to make it work. Like you get the bat and you figure out the defense later. Mm-hmm. You know, the Brewers have done that a lot in, in recent years. I mean, they get people who have like defensive options, um, but like they, they focus on getting the bat, getting the offense and figuring out the rest later. I mean, they ended up not getting him, and Cruz stayed in the American League each of those times. But with those reports that a National League team was interested in, in putting him there, it makes me think the Brewers probably kind of would be one of those teams who would do something like that. Yeah, it would. Uh, it would be quite a push, though, um, for especially for someone like Nelson Cruz, who uh, has played uh, one whole game at first base ever. And that was last year. So first mm-hmm. base isn't really an option. I um, mean, he hasn't played the outfield since 2018, and that was four whole games back then. So for someone like him, that would probably take quite a bit of... Uh, uh, Especially um, now that he's 41. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's not to say that there aren't maybe some other DH options out there um, that Stearns might consider, you know, yeah. trying to bring Jorge in Soler, and convincing them. Kyle yeah, Schwarber. Exactly. Um, Right, yeah, Soler so, uh, played uh, in the National League last year, so we know he can still play the field. Um, yeah. yeah, there's guys that, you know, could potentially fit that mold of a DH, but also um, speak to that versatility that uh, Stearns always likes. So um, maybe, yeah, maybe there is a fit for both sides of this argument. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, we'll, we'll see what Stearns does. He's probably cooking up a plan already. He's probably already got it cooked up. He's probably got three or oh, four yeah. different plans uh, already set up for, for the DH. Um, so that'll be interesting to see and, and excited to see what happens there. And it should 
boosts the offense because you no longer have a guy hitting 075 uh, in the occupying a lineup spot every single time. And um, you don't have to pinch hit for your pitchers, you know, because of, you know, their runners in scoring position. You want a chance to score some runs for your pitchers because your offense hasn't been able to do shit otherwise. Um, that's kind of been the story of the Brewers the last like two years. Anyways, uh, <laughs> on, to, uh, on to really kind of some actual Brewers news that happened this past week. The minor league coaching staffs have been announced. Uh, the, the Brewers announced that um, th- this past week. And there, there are some changes being made to it. Jeremy Accardo is the new AAA pitching coach, taking the spot of Jim Henderson, uh, who moved up to the Major League bullpen coach job. Um, and then over in Appleton, the new manager is Joe Iralt, uh, who was the manager in low A Carolina for the past several years, but gets a bump back up to high A uh, to fill the role of Erickson. And, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a well-deserved promotion for Aralt. and moving up to take his spot in Carolina is Victor Estevez, who is a manager in the Dominican Summer League for the Brewers the past couple of seasons. So some promotions up the chain uh, for, for managers in the lower parts of the Brewers system um, and a new outside addition at a at pitching coach, among many others that we'll talk about. Yeah, I like that. I know it was a obviously a natural pr- promotion, but I like that move of Iralt going up to high A. Players loved him down there. I've only ever heard, um, you know, positive things about that guy. Um, and I feel like he, I think he just hit like a um, wins milestone or something like that last year. I feel like I remember the uh, Mudcat social media tweeting out about it. So, and that's a guy who's been around for quite a while and, um, and as good as at his job. So, and he gets to coach a lot of the same guys he just had in low A last year. And so it should be kind of um, a natural move for him to kind of keep some of that success going. Um, Cause as we saw, the Mudcats were a super fun team last year, um, just like exploding offensively. Um, and so oh, yeah. he gets to now bring a lot of that, uh, offensive funness to Wisconsin. And so uh, a bunch of uh, fans here in the state can maybe go up and uh, see a little bit of that. So um, that was cool to see um, Accardo, uh, former MLB pitcher, uh, jumping in there as pitching coach. Um, so we'll see kind of how that does. I, I, I'll i admit I'm not uh, fully familiar in kind of his minor league coaching track record or his coach coaching track record recently. Um, I didn't look into get a chance to look into him as much, but um, and the Brewers have done obviously done well with pitching development recently, so they wouldn't put someone in that position who um, doesn't have a great great job of being successful. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Cardo, you know, a lot of experience in a big league bullpen, kind of same thing that uh, Jim Henderson had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in 2007, Cardo was the closer for the Blue Jays. He had 30 saves and a 2.14 ERA, and I'm like, oh, all right, that's a that's a solid season. You know, kind of like Jim Henderson, kind of like one big season as a closer, mm-hmm. and the rest of the rest of the career was kind of eh. Uh, yeah, which can happen with closers. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to be on Rick Sweet's staff in Nashville. Um, as and joining him is uh, Sean Isaac, uh, who's a development coach. So basically, you know how we've kind of seen his position description. You know, he's going to be taking like the analytics and like information, like kind of dispersing it out to the players. And, uh, you know, his specialty is pitching development. So he's going to be really helping those pitchers down there in, uh, in triple a. So your 
uh, Ethan Smalls, your Dylan Files, your Alec Bettingers, uh, Thomas Jenkins, Luke Barker, uh, guys like that. So hopefully we can see a bunch of those guys up in the big leagues, especially Luke Barker uh, and Ethan Small. Um, so if we can if we can get them, that'd be that'd be great. Um, and he was most recently the director of player development at UC Santa Barbara. So they're pulling a lot from the college ranks here um, when looking at some of the coaches that they got. I mean, uh, over in uh, in High A, Wisconsin, um, there's a couple other uh, uh, new guys. You got Will Shearholtz as the new pitching coach um, for for the Timber Rattlers. You know, he was most recently the pitching coach for St. Louis University. For the Billikins, the the fighting Billikins, yes. or whatever they are, yeah. And then um, in Low A, you got you know you got Victor Estevez as the new manager, um, and then he's got uh, a new hitting coach and pitching coach down there. Uh, Drew Thomas is the pitching coach for Carolina. Ken Joyce is the hitting coach. Joyce has been around uh, coaching in, in the minor leagues for a while. Uh, he was most recently with uh, the West Virginia Power in the Atlantic League former Brewers affiliate, um, and Drew Thomas was the pitching coach for the past several years for the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Uh, the guy oh, yeah. of college mascots. Uh, so, th- so they got a former Billiken and a former Chanticleer. Obviously. Yeah. Got it. Got to. Got to. And, hey, I mean, his staff, I mean, they won the uh, national championship in 2016, Coastal Carolina Cinderella that year. So that was a that was a fun time. So they got him now uh, over there in Low A Carolina, helping the the pitchers down there. Meanwhile, Hiram Burgos, who was in High A, who was the pitching coach there, is now the pitching coach at rookie level Arizona. So he goes down a few levels uh, to help out the the younger pitchers. And like I don't know if that's necessarily a demotion, um, or maybe just kind of where his uh, skill set is best, but. You know, just kind of some some jostling with the pitching and hitting coaches down there. Yeah, I I think outside of uh, <clears throat> getting a jump up to double A AA or triple A, um, any sort of shuffling in the levels below that is really just putting the coaches in the best position um, to help out players. So I agree. I wouldn't consider that a demotion at all. Um, and also, um, Brenton Del Cairo, by the way, um, taking over as the uh, mm-hmm. Brewers hitting minor league hitting coordinator yes. uh, for Sarah Goodrum, who headed off to the Astros organization. So yeah. another big uh, uh, that's a big, big promotion for the Brewers, for him, uh, who's been in the uh, organization since 2016. Yeah, yeah, definitely a big promotion there. Uh, Sarah Goodrum gets promoted to director of player development for the Astros. Uh, Brenton Del Cairo was the assistant hitting coordinator last year. So he moves up to the hitting coordinator. Um, and then taking that assistant job is Eric Thiessen, who was the hitting coach in low A Carolina last year and oversaw a fantastic offense. And he's really mm-hmm. seen it as kind of a rising star among the hitting coach ranks. Uh, so Thiessen get, gets kind of a well-deserved promotion. So he's going to be kind of, uh, he's part of that roving staff, and he's going to kind of help around everywhere. So Thiessen isn't managing, or or he isn't a hitting coach for a specific team, uh, but he's kind of helping all throughout that system. And I think that's definitely a, a big promotion for him and and well-deserved. Um, so those, those are two other kind of really big things. And, and the Brewers have really – they've invested a lot in hitting prospects the last few years. And – a lot of their earlier ones haven't really worked out. You know, Corey Ray 
Lucas Ersig, you know, a lot of those guys really didn't work out. Um, so we're seeing a lot of turnarounds. We're seeing a lot of really good seasons uh, from guys last year and hopefully more again this year. Uh, and, and these two guys are going to be a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's good to see. And it, it's it's always nice to see, you know, uh, coaches and uh, coordinators and whatnot in the organization get rewarded and get those bumps bumps up. So, um, and, and in, in the, um, on the subject of Thiessen, we had talked about him early in the off season when we were going over kind of dark horse internal candidates for that open mm-hmm. Um, hitting coach position at the major league level. So um, obviously the Brewers do think very highly of him to uh, bump him up to an overall uh, minor league hitting coordinator, even as an assistant. Um, yeah, he is, he's a fast riser and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets plucked by another team at some point. Or hopefully the Brewers can just promote him and, and keep yeah, him. That's true. That, yeah, that would also, it. also be nice. Uh, another big addition uh, to this roving staff is Spencer Allen. Uh, who is the Brewers' new assistant field coordinator slash outfield and base running instructor. So he's got a lot of duties. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a big title. Um, yeah. But uh, he's someone who's also very experienced, and um, he was a, the head coach at Northwestern uh, for the past five or six years, I believe. So, you know, he was running a Big Ten program. And uh, now he comes and joins the Brewers and uh, he's going to be coordinating uh, the field and outfield and base running and all kinds of stuff. Um, so it's a it's a big title, but I think a huge get also for the Brewers. I mean, it seems like a very, very good, very high quality coach. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Now, if only we can uh, see these coaches on a field doing things uh, with teams. Yeah. In well, we'll see the minor league baseball. guys. Yes, it, we'll no, see the minor league guys soon, yes. but yeah. And then also uh, among these uh, staff additions, uh, you know, we talked about this, you know, uh, on the site as well separately, but we haven't been able to talk about it as much on here. Uh, there are two new player development assistants in the organization, and you might recognize them: Ricky Weeks and Pedro Alvarez. Yeah. Yes, the former Brewers second baseman, Ricky Weeks, uh, is back with the Brewers as a player development assistant. Pedro Alvarez, the former Brewers killer uh, with, with the Pirates for a number of years, he also joins the Brewers. Apparently, he's married to Pat Murphy's daughter. I did not know that. Yeah, no. But apparently he is. That was a surprise. Um, yeah. I didn't even Ricky know Pat Weeks, Murphy had a daughter. Well, no, no, neither did I. <laughs> Um, no, that was, I, I love the Ricky Weeks story too, because, um, I had read that he, uh, you know, after his playing days actually went back to school to get his degree, um, because he was looking to, um, uh, kind of jump into some, uh, coaching front office, you know, whatever stuff. Um, and he ended up graduating recently. And so, um, yeah. And now he gets to come back home, you know, to the Brewers yeah. and just, oh, what, like, what a great story. Great to have him back around. Um, he had just been in, hadn't, wasn't, wasn't he in town for one of those, uh, um, he, uh, he was put on the, the, the wall of honor. He, he was, was put on the wall of honor in 2019. Yeah. And then, what, yeah, wasn't I think he also might... one of the guys who came to like serve the, um, drinks at one of the, uh, uh stations last year. Yeah. Like he might've been. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I don't remember all of them. I remember I got a beer from Freddie Peralta. That was fun. 
Um, yes. Oh, that was great. That was a good day. Yeah, absolutely. He looks so happy back, but he looks happy all the time. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big smile. But, but uh, uh, yeah, I love. It. And then Pedro Alvarez. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, like you said, Brewers killer. So maybe he can uh, maybe he can give us some tips on how to kill other teams or how he yeah. killed us. Here's how to hit dingers in Miller Park. All right. <laughs> I've hit plenty of them here. Yeah, he hit like a. Like, I looked up his career stats. He had, like, 20 homers against the Brewers. Like, the most of any opponent he he played against. So, just just saying. Um, so, he, so Pedro Alvarez is in. He's, Alvarez is also going to have some uh, baseball operations uh, mm-hmm. r- duties and, and roles. Um, so, he's, he's an assistant there as well as player development. So, um, you know, maybe he'll do some, like, pro scouting or amateur scouting. I don't know. But... Uh, he'll find ways to to help out around there. So, I mean, you're bringing two experienced guys who know the game extremely well. You're bringing them into the organization and going to be utilizing their experience to to help your current players, help you find more players, and uh, you know that's always a great thing to have. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be good. It's going to be. Uh, Fun. The minor league season is going to be going on no matter what. And, you know, really when it comes to uh, players, you know, we, we talk a lot about the the success and, and the changes that players make um, and, and, you know, how they kind of develop over the years and, you know, getting these prospects to develop, turning them into stars at the big league level. Um, a lot of that really kind of depends on your player development staff. You know, it depends on your minor league coaches, your minor league managers, you know, the the pitching coaches, the hitting coaches, uh, all those guys down there as they're coming up through the system. Having quality guys in place to set the foundation uh, is really important to getting them to to succeed at the big league level. So, you know, if you have a bad group down there, it can really harm your entire system. And if you have a good group, it can make you so much better. So... You know, it looks like the Brewers are, have built a, a pretty good group, a uh, pretty strong group of, of minor league coaches and, and development staff. So, you know, I'm excited to see what they can do. I'm excited for this upcoming season, man. A lot of prospects I'm excited to see. Uh, a lot of the big league level I'm excited to see as well. I'm just excited for baseball in my life again. Yeah. Yeah, we, you know, we we dealt with the 2020 season of it being the shortened season. We were so happy to just have anything that year 2021 we get finally get a full season everything felt like real baseball and at the beginning of the year yeah um you still had you know the limited capacities and so it took a little bit to like really shift into the familiar baseball experience um but at the very least we had a full season and so like all all fans are hoping is just don't take it away from us again like just (laughs) Give us our full season. That's all we want. We want baseball. We want to give you money so that we can either watch on television or watch in person baseball games. Yeah. It's that simple from our 162 standpoint. 162 of them. 162 of them. That simple from our standpoint. Just make it happen, guys. Yeah. Like, like you've had two years of either shortened or like limited. Like, we haven't had full, regular, completely normal baseball since 2019. Right. You know, like, yeah, you had the full season in 2021, but you couldn't really have it. You couldn't have everyone there for opening day or for the early parts of the season. But now it's just like no restrictions. Let it go. Baseball 
and just everyone just living, enjoying yeah. enjoying themselves, having a good time, drinking some beers, maybe a few too many, uh, eating some hot dogs, maybe also a few too many, <laughs> uh, especially on Dollar Dog Day. It just happens. And I want to know who those bobbleheads are, damn it. Yeah. Up and figure out this season so we can know who the bobbleheads are going to be. Random I, player bobblehead number one, number yeah. two. Considering considering bobblehead number one falls on May 22nd, my guess is it's going to be Willie Adamas. Because mm-hmm. that's Willie Adamas Day. Yep. Um, and then there's also the final one, I think, is September 11th, which is the one-year anniversary of the Burns Hater No Hitter. So I think there's going to be some sort of either Burns or Burns Hater No Hitter uh, bobblehead for that day. Yeah. And you would also think that there's going to be a Burns Cy Young, probably solo one. I don't know that when there is, I am going that. to that game. I don't care when it is. I don't care if we already have tickets. I am going. I am finding a way to get that damn bobblehead. But we need to know when it is. Damn it. Yes, we do. Brewers promotions team. Let me know. Help us out. Yeah, Rob Manfred, figure it, it out. Us. Yeah, yeah. It, it, obviously all of the I, I am the conductor of the Corbin Burns Cy Young hype train. I got this across the finish line. I should know ahead of time when yeah. this bobblehead day is. Come on. Yeah. Brewers, promotions, people, if you're listening to the podcast, which you obviously are, just slip. I need a, you to reach out. The, I won't tell anyone. Yeah. I promise. I won't even tell Matt. Nope, he won't. It's true. Slide into David's DMs. <laughs> Let him know. Oh, man. Man, we just need this lockout to end. Yep. Uh, We're getting there. Yeah. We're We're getting to the point of of there's nothing else really to watch on TV. You know. I know. Uh, It's It's not March Madness yet after the Super Bowl is done. I mean, the Badgers are doing well. Marquette's doing well. I mean, obviously, there's games to watch here and there, but baseball's an everyday thing. Like, that's why we love it. Yeah, like, and that's a tougher, the tough part for me for getting into, like, basketball that much. Because, like, the schedule is so random, I feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like football, it's one day a week, you know which day it is, and you can just go. Like, you know, if you want to watch pro football, it's Sunday. College, it's Saturday. High school, if you're into that, it's Friday. It's Friday night. Baseball, it's every damn day. Base Or basketball, I don't know. It could be Monday. It could be Tuesday. You, you know, you could play Monday, not play again until Thursday, and then, then you could play again on Friday. And it's just like, I don't know. Also, I get a notification, oh, the Bucks game's on. I had no idea. You know? Well, lately, but that's just on me. that stupid West Coast trip, so all their games have been late, and I keep forgetting that they're even on. Like, all of a yeah. sudden, 9 o'clock will roll around and be like, the game, uh, Bucks versus Portland is starting. I'm like, oh, really? Seriously? And I'll watch yeah. half of it and pass out. But no, yeah. I, I get it. And it's hard to um, you know at the very least when you have the Badgers and the Bucks going on, like they kind of, you know, take up a bunch of the days here and there unless they're playing on the same day. But yeah, like that's like I said, that's a good part about baseball is you have spring training games and then regular season games to look forward to every single day. And so there's always something you can throw on. And even if it's not the, you know, Brewers, there's some other game that you can yeah. throw on TV as well or throw on the radio. Um, but you know, college baseball starting up soon. Do you want college I, baseball starts in like a week or two? Yeah, and I did see that ESPN is going to carry a whole bunch more of their games than yeah. normal. So that's yeah. a little something that can work. Yeah, and a lot of them are going to be on ESPN Plus, which I have. I don't know how many are going to be on like cable ESPN, yeah. um, but either way, I'm going to be able to watch them. If, so if you 
if you don't have ESPN Plus, but you do have Disney Plus, just pay the extra few bucks for the bundle. You get Hulu as well. Yeah. Um, or if you have Hulu and want ESPN Plus. That, that's what um, I got. Yeah. I got the bundle. Yeah, same here. Like Throw the bundle bucks. together. And yeah, and it has just so there's so many random games you can watch on ESPN Plus. It, yeah. For if you're a sports fan who just wants to, you know, watch anything, uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. And yeah, it'll be great once college baseball season rolls back yeah. around. But like they don't I don't think they have uh, the Pac-12 network um, on there. So I'm, I'm not able to watch Pac-12 games, but they got SEC, ACC. Mm-hmm. Big 12 and like when it comes to baseball, those are really kind of your big conferences. Yep. Yeah, that's what you want. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a lot of Mississippi State last year um, mm-hmm. and they ended up taking it all the way. Yeah. yeah. And that's where we're poaching a lot of our big name uh, minor leagues yeah. from anyway. Woodruff is, and uh, yep. yeah. Small, SEC and then you, you've Hunter got Renfro. Uh, yep. And you've got uh, um, Freelick came from uh, Boston College, Boston College. Which is over. ACC, I believe these days, or Big East, one of the two. Um, but yeah, it's you know those Southern schools. I guess Boston isn't that South. Boston is not Southern. You know what I'm saying. A lot of the teams in that conference are kind of the, they're all up and down that East Coast. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's point being. Yes, that's the those are the college uh, teams that you want to watch anyway. Yeah. yeah, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Florida, Tennessee, um, Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech. Um, like you got so many programs down there. LSU uh, was really mm-hmm. strong, so I mean you got plenty of options down there, and and it's great. Uh, and they also got yeah. softball too, if you're into that. So mm-hmm. yeah, plenty of plenty of stuff to Ooh, watch when that gets I'm going. Getting a little more excited for baseball. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, totally we forgot about some that. college. We got That's options, right. Manfred. Figure it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make us want to watch your option. Yeah. Come on, dude. All right. I think that's a good spot to, to end <laughs> it for this week. So hopefully by next week, they'll, we'll have uh, the end of the lockout to talk about. Uh, knock on wood. So uh, that's going to be hopefully a good time. Then spring training is going to be coming up shortly after that. So hopefully we're able to do it, man. And hopefully uh, we can get this uh, Brewer season underway. This Brewers championship season that's right. underway. Gonna Best happen. Of the podcast, Tim Allen would say. Yeah. All right. So that'll do it for us this week. Uh, sorry for getting to you a bit uh, late this week, later on Friday, but uh, we'll be back again. Hopefully, we'll have a guest next week uh, scheduled. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good time. But we will let you know on Twitter. Be sure to follow our account on Twitter at coldbrew underscore pod. Uh, follow our personal accounts. I'm at dgasper24, and Matt is of course at mke matt. 13. Uh, So we'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.